for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the fourth episode of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called Vietnam. So that's obviously a very easy title to understand. This has been a story that we have been basically tracking for seasons now, waiting to find out more about Jack in Vietnam. And not only that, but really what happened with his brother Nicky in Vietnam. I kind of wonder if the Vietnam title, besides the easy connection that the brothers are fighting in Vietnam, one way to look at the war an American way to look at the war is that we were pulled into someone else's fight. Oh, okay. And that's kind of what happened to Jack. I like that very much. Yeah, that he does seem to get pulled in, not only just in Vietnam itself, but over and over and over throughout Nikki's life. He's always fighting Nikki's fight. It's a theme for him. It is. And and it's interesting to see the other side of that with Nikki not being so thrilled that he has this guardian angel Superman on his shoulder. When you look at it as as wonderful it is to have somebody who's like willing to swoop in and, and save you, that really puts you in this position, like he calls himself the Lois Lane, like the person who's always flailing, always needs the help. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. I mean, it's, I wonder... I wonder if it does undermine people's confidence. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it, it does, or it makes them want to distance themselves from whoever it is that keeps saving their ass at a certain point. Absolutely. They want to stand on their own at some point. Totally makes sense to me. So you guys, this episode was done completely backwards. um, And so we are going to try to help you make sense of it by starting it from the beginning. So we are actually going to start with Nikki's birth. And and this one, we get such interesting bits bits of information about the Pearson family, their lineage here. Right. We get to meet a version of the dad that feels completely foreign. Yeah. He talked to Jack like he was a normal person. He was doting on the mother, trying to get her into the hospital so that she was safe. But you know, whenever you whenever you introduce Michael Ironside as a guest star, you know he's not coming in to play, you know, like the Easter Bunny or the philanthropist or something like that. He comes in to play a hard ass. That's what he does. That's his gig. Yeah, that's what he does. Oh man, I would so it was so revealing to have Ironside come in and play this character of essentially this would be Jack's grandfather Mm -hmm. and to find out that he is a drunk, uh, you know, obviously an alcoholic. I don't think you bring a flask around everywhere you are unless that's a drinking problem there for you. For him to offer that drink to Jack's dad and have him be like, like, you know, I don't drink. Yeah. So he got to that point in his life, whether he had already had a drinking problem and recovered. Yeah. And this was a recovery period for him. And he was like, I don't drink. And he was like on the up and up. Or if truly up to this point, he had never you know, been been a part of that life. We don't really know at this point. Mm-mm. But I found it like extremely eyebrow raising because Jack was already seven years old. When when Nikki was going to be born, is that right or is that bad math? I think that's right. No, he's not seven years older than Nikki, is he? Was he seven when that man was carrying him around? Even though I know he was supposed to be seven, I thought, and then he was, and then it said like fourteen years earlier. 
So then I thought I like took off another seven then, you know, to get back. Now I don't really know. But that little boy who was talking there barely could talk. He was like, dad, what you want it to be, boy or girl? Like he okay, was so barely speaking. I don't know, five, six, seven, seven. Little, definitely little. I think I did bad math there. So the the rapport between this seemed, seemed so good between dad and son. And even him saying, I'm excited to have, uh, you know, I would want another son. You know, that all seemed very like gleam. But clearly, the look for approval from dad and old grandpa there was like not going to offer any approval about any of this. Like, you know, oh, if he's born, you know, at the midnight, he'll have the same birthday as you. Eh, who cares? <laughs> right. He was, it's almost like, why'd you come? Bro, you you're not really that interested. I don't I doubt you're here for like the safety of my wife or or you know it, it, I don't know. It, it kind of just seemed like the, why you came. the thing to do. Right. I don't know. Like literally, it just seemed like the thing to do. That's that's all I could really gather, really. Um, I mean, even when he was like, Well, I expect you'll send word, you know, like when the baby's <laughs> born. I mean, it was it, it was like kind of weird. Maybe that's part of that era though, of just sort of that like baby's born every day, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Like it's not such a big hoopla for each individual baby. I thought this whole concept of being born on October 18th and this being a lucky day. Boy, that nurse was really like pounding that with the 18, right? Yeah. And not only that, but I really felt like this idea that like if it my husband wants it to be on the 19th because then it would be his father's birthday and when the nurse said well do you like his dad and oh. she was like mm. to me that felt like i think that that nurse would have maybe fudged the birth certificate by those two minutes or maybe even held off labor for her or done something you know if yeah. it was like a big deal to be born on the 19th but that whole exchange thing it felt very much like a uh, reminiscent of that moment when toby puts the pills down the toilet and it's like one minute you know changes the destiny you know forever right, right and it's like a lot like that like it's a two minute window that changes this destiny you know for the whole pure in clan. Ten eighteen looms large in in his life's path now. It totally does. And I did do like a, I, I did do a little bit of research. So just in case you're wondering, so October 18th was number five on the, the draft lottery. And in case you guys are listening and you aren't very familiar with the lottery, we can get more in detail when we get to that section. But so October 18th was number five. Guess what? October 19th was 241. So the two minutes made all the difference because 195 was the highest number called. Hmm. So he wouldn't have been called at all if it was two minutes later. Where'd you find that? They have a, there's like a little like chart that you can plug in your actual birthday and then, and you can like uh, pull up whether you would have been drafted or not. And then, um, and what number you would have been. And then I looked up on the, the, the lottery Wikipedia to see how many numbers, how high it went up to, how many did they actually take? Because they actually did like, more than one drawing. It wasn't just like one drawing and then that was it. it oh was yeah, like they, they kept did. needing to do it. So, it, I mean, I thought that was interesting, but I thought that that was like, wow. I mean, it's kind of like figuring out if you were, you know, on the Titanic, like if you were, if you would have been a passenger that died or not, you know, right, one of those the museums. Titanic museums right. Yeah, it totally felt like that. Well, so just so you know, I put in your, both your parents, both my parents and you just to see what would happen. Yeah. None of you guys would have been called I, however, would have been number 45. So I would have definitely been called. But they didn't take girls. I know. It wasn't about boy girl. I was just. It was at the time. I know, but I was just looking to see as human beings, right? Oh, okay. I really think that they like knocked. You're like this a genderless being. I just wanted to see, yeah, like my fellow people on my birthday and stuff and mm. myself, like, you know. 
because again, it was sort of like chance that I was a girl, you know, I did think that it really was impactful when they had the Jack's dad holding him up at the nursery. And he said, every one of them have the same birthday as your brother. And they're looking uh, at each baby and each name and each date of birth. And it was like, oh my God, like, you know, all of these men are going to the same places as Nikki. And man, that was very impactful for like a throwaway line, it would seem. Well, thanks to the, the the backwards storytelling in this one. I don't mean backwards like crazy. I mean, backwards like they told it in reverse order. Right. We knew their fate. Exactly. So we are going to keep going though in like putting it back into like a chronological order for you guys. Go to the scene that we are now seven years later. So we have the boys, they're playing football outside and we have this scene between Nikki and Jack about this concept of basically Clark Kent, Superman, and again, Jack being the protector. This scene makes me wonder if, I mean, this episode obviously has like a second half or something that's coming later, right? It makes me wonder if we're going to get the scene in between Nikki's birth and this where dad turns into an ass because this dad is already yeah on that on the path which he doesn't recover from right so i'm really interested to see what, like what went wrong with this guy yeah, I agree. You know, I was really struck when the dad walked up. I, you know, every time the way that they shoot this kind of stuff, the way that the truck only just like the nose of the truck came into the scene. And that was so like looming, you know, that you knew the dad was coming, but you could, you didn't see the whole truck. You just saw the nose of the truck come into the scene. Like you're like, Ugh. and then when he's walking up, I was really struck at how much he looked like they look like Milo and how much he looked like, like the Stallone look about him, like his face. I never saw it until they put this black hair on him at, you know, in this stage and and the way that his makeup looked and everything like the dad looked so much like I see you casting wise how you are Jack's dad. Like, I get this. I get Mm. the lineage here. I see it in your face. Um, And it was it was striking. And man, he has a way about him that he scares me every time when he was just like, Christ, clean up your, your toys. I was like, oh, my God. God, I hate this guy. You could guy. see where like from Nikki's poor little perspective, like the only thing he would remember probably is that his dad kind of seems to hate him. But I doubt that it's whatever Nikki's addition to their little family was that turned him into this guy. So it, it seems like some other external thing, maybe something else, but yeah. not, I don't think it was Nikki. It's just like coincidentally, it also made Nikki's life really suck. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't, I don't feel Jack was old enough to have a time when he remembered a time before Nikki, Mm. you know? So I don't think that there's any, even though, you know, the mom can assure them it wasn't always like this, you know, I don't think these boys experienced anything different. But Jack, at least this is going to sound dumb, but it's more like old fashioned. Think, just think of yourself as a guy in the forties, early fifties, right? Mm -hmm. So I bet Jack measured up, I'm giving air quotes to his idea of masculinity in some way. Okay. Where Nikki just didn't. So maybe that's that explains why I, I perceive that he gave Nikki like a 10 times harder time than he ever gave Jack. See, and the interesting thing about that is that like that was not depicted. I mean, it seemed like Jack was pretty successful. It was successful in stepping between dad and Nikki lifetime. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think that they indicated that Nikki ever got beat by the dad. 
I think that Jack was successful in keeping him from ever doing that. Well, Nikki so, was scared when the glasses broke. He thought he was going to get some something for for breaking yeah. expensive glasses. But he says, "I'm never going to let him touch you." So, like, not like again or something. You know, like I got the idea that he literally never, never got a hand laid on him. That's how I read it because that was part of the thing. Jack did. Jack did take beatings. The mm. mom did. And Nikki didn't like Nikki never was the one that like got in the path. Everyone was always protecting him. Well, the you know? emotional stuff was pretty bad. I totally agree. I, I thought that like sort of deeming him the Clark Kent version and and sort of taking that that other that other way to look at it. Like, you know, yes, you wear glasses. Yes, you're the quieter guy. But then you're just the guy in disguise of that. You're really Superman. I thought that was like a cool little twist on that. Clark Kent is still super. Exactly. He's just wearing glasses. He's just, he's just wearing, right. He's just looking a little studious. Right. <laughs> That's really it, you know? What did you think about the part when they were upstairs and they were supposed to be in bed and Nikki was listening to the parents fight and he decides that he's going to go down and stop. He was trying to stand up for the mom. He was like, don't lay, don't touch her. And the dad was turning to come after Nikki, but right in that moment, Jack stepped in between. And, that's what and he they said. gave each other kind of that look. You three deserve each other or yeah. some loser comment. Whatever like that. that. Yeah, exactly. What does that even mean? I don't know. I, I mean, like you're better like they're than all them jerks. or something. Yeah. Like, uh, dude. It's amazing to me that Jack managed to hold off a grown ass man. Like, I feel like I don't really kind of get why he didn't just push Jack down or something, you know, like not that I wanted to see that, but I don't know if that's how that would have played out. You know, if you antagonize dad and then the other kid comes out like, I'm not so sure that it just all goes away. So the mom keeps trying to reassure that it didn't always used to be this way. And she does take note that Jack's heart is racing really fast. And this gives us another indicator that like, hey, this heart stuff for Jack has been going on again, lifetime. Yeah. He's had this like- Irregular heartbeat. Exactly, exactly. So now we're going to shoot ahead in time and we are at- the December 1st draft day, lottery, pulling day. Big day. It's not the Super Bowl. That's what he tells his dad when his dad's like, do you want to watch it at home? Yeah. I don't, you know, my parents have talked about this just a little bit because I mean, I don't, I don't, did your, did your dad ever talk about this? To some extent. It was more like, it was more like he seemed to have some certainty that he would get called at some point. So that's part of why he did ROTC and all that kind of stuff. So we could kind of call his own shot rather than just getting sucked away into nothing. Well, I, you know, I mean, the stuff that from what I understand, I mean, you know, every, my dad was in college at the time already. Well, it's like an exemption. I think if, if you're a, a full-time student, student that's passing. Right. Yeah. So, so he already had that. But anyway, like I said, I did his numbers and stuff and like none of you guys, everybody was, was well off the, the numbers from where they would have been. Um, and I totally encourage you guys actually on the after show, I had done this before I saw the after show and the after show, they actually encourage you to look it up. Um, and they like tell you like, go, there's a website you can go look up your number and see, you know, if you would have been drafted or not. Um, I thought that they did a good job of depicting like how, like terrorizing that concept would be, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we've all read the short story, the lottery. And if you haven't, I very much encourage you to read it. It's very short, very quick, but if you haven't seen that, you've seen the hunger games. 
I don't even care about, no, I don't even care about that. There's something about this that's not, it's not silly, funny, like Hunger Games, but it's like, there's something about the like choosing stones kind of feeling that's like so frightening. We did get a little glimpse here that Jack did indeed actually did work as a mechanic. So I guess that stuff wasn't, I mean, he twisted up his past there, Yeah. but he was a mechanic. I didn't realize that's what was going to have happened to him exactly. Then we get more of that Superman talk between them. Basically, so Nikki is drafted. He's, he's going to be fifth, which is like right away. When the dad walked over to Nikki. I've never I, seen anything like, like that really. Like uh, I've seen more, um, I would say overblown versions of that sort of thing. Okay. But this actually felt like right in character and something that something, someone like that guy would have actually said just so brutal. Like he can't actually give his son an honest embrace or show him any kind of affection. I mean, make me proud. Like the, that's his, his new, who his new marching orders in life is to make dad proud. This, this guy that's been kind of shitting on you your whole life. That's it. That's all you get. I, I mean, I, you know that, I mean, we have such different feelings about stuff like, you know, going into the military and stuff. And I know both sides of our family have served and, um, but I just personally, if it was our kid, I'd be absolutely coming up with the Canada plan. I know though that, I mean, at this time in America, it was early on, you know, I, when they did the second and third drafts, there was a lot more dissension about continuing this, you know, and there was a lot more mainstream acceptance to the idea of like, no way am I going, you know, but right at the beginning here, you know, it was still like, you got to go do your duty. You know, there was, mm. there was that kind of feeling. And so what really could you say besides like, make me proud or whatever, you know, like you can't act like it's sad or whatever. It's like, this is what men do. Go be a man. You well, know, there's a decent chance dad fought in world war two. I would think so. That's the right age. That would be my guess. Um, and so that, that's my assumption actually. So when the mom is coming out and she's all like, have fun on your hunting trip. Was it like, Oh, it was so obvious at that point that like, there ain't no way these boys are going on any hunting trip. I really can't blame Jack for, for this. I mean, there's draft. It's, it's weird. Like there's such a damning situation, right? The idea of being a draft dodger for Vietnam, nobody that fought in it wanted to go that I've ever heard of, Right, you know, but if you were a draft dodger, then that's like a federal crime and you're a piece of shit and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I think for a small period of window of time, I would say that comment, but I think, like I said, the second draft, the third draft, I don't think that was even mainstream thinking i think it was a lot more like like the thing the thing it was what are we still doing there you know what is happening at this point you know well i think it i think uh it varies generally generationally uh what, Very that, much, what yeah. that thinking might be i feel like all of us would want to jack in our family all of us right and we would absolutely be those people i mean wouldn't you would you not be trying to get your brother out would i would try to be trying to get you out mm, i don't think i'd want jack to go i think we'd do something like this I'm just admitting to a, <laughs> a potential federal crime on the on the podcast here, but no, I don't think I could put let let Jack go. Jack is our child. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, Jack Daly. <laughs> Jack Daly, our child. Right. Has a little confusing. Um. Yeah, but for sure, I'm with you, and I don't know how exactly I thought this was going to work out. I thought that this conversation that they had in the car. I hope. I hope parallels a conversation that we see. 
Rebecca and um, Jack having their road trip and their conversations. Remember we're talking about, we're hoping that they have a road trip. Let me pause real quick and say that we are in no way casting any kind of shade or disdain toward voluntary military service. That's all great. It's this draft stuff that's not that's that we're kind of reacting to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just, you know, the idea of this particular time and place, you know, how this all went down would be terrifying, you know, and I could understand people being so scared. Yes. That they were just willing to run away. That's very, very different than, like you say, just enlisting or serving your country, you know. Very different. I thought it was an interesting conversation there. We get our line that Nikki basically is, I feel, instructing our podcast when he says, how did we get here? I wish you could work backwards from the end to like understand, you know, how we all got where we were, which is, of course, not only what we do in this episode, but certainly what we do throughout this entire series, you know, trying to work it backwards. This episode had a few of those expositional like winks at the camera, like the nurse driving home how the baby being born on the 18th, 18th, 18th. And then like little, little bits like that were a a tiny bit heavy handed. Yeah, I agree with you. And like, and, and really no part of Nikki's life at all seemed remotely lucky, like nothing. Like it all seems so ridiculous, you know? What's the next stop on the, on our timeline. So our next step on our timeline is, is this 14 month mark. Nikki is, uh, has written a letter home and mom gets it. And we have that really uncomfortable moment with the mailman outside where he's like obviously studying the mom's face. Well, she's kind of got a beaten up face and she's saying some obvious lie about it. The guy's torn, I think, about how to react to this because there's a beaten woman in front of him and and that's just a day and age when when that sort of thing really struck people and like should i go in there and beat this guy's kind of ass or i don't know about that i don't know about that that's what you think that that day and age was about that Mm. anyone would step in no i guess you wouldn't you wouldn't go into someone else's business it's more like i think you absolutely wouldn't go into anybody's business i think you just you would feel sorry for her I don't think anybody sticks up for the wife in this scenario, you know? Mm, I don't think so. She could have asked the mailman for help and he might have been like, "Mm, I don't feel comfortable getting involved. You're probably right. You know? So it's more like, then the look might have been more like, I wish I hadn't seen that. I think it's like that. And, and the, and that, and that sort of the way that he acknowledged it and the way that she dismissed it so quickly just indicated like how many people give her that look and how many times she's had to, make an excuse like she was just so blase about it you know this wasn't her first time it definitely was not so what did you think about this letter that nikki sends home well i'm glad they explained in article 15 without me needing to look it up for those who didn't catch it what does it mean it means that he did something that they haven't explained yet that endangered himself or the other soldiers and as a result he was punished by being knocked all the way back down to private. I don't know what his original rank was. Might have been as high as sergeant, depending on how long he was in. But back to private and and given, I guess, probably the worst jobs they could give him. It looked like he was cleaning out the latrines. Yes. That's what he was doing. So, and I mean, obviously the whole thing about him, he doesn't expect to come home. You know, he fully expects to die, that this is hell on earth. He's not even sure if he is dead. Maybe he is. And that this is hell. He's not sure. And and then, of course, the most frightening part that Nikki isn't dying on anyone else's terms but his. Mm-hmm. Mm, what is this 
adding up to? Are we adding up to a suicide? Are we adding up to? Sounds like it. That's the thing with this episode was like, it got to like the 57 minute mark. I'm like, holy shit. They don't have enough time to tell the rest of the story. I know. You know? I know. I know. So adding up to suicide without Jack's intervention, I bet. So maybe even like suicide by Viet Cong. But yeah. Interesting. Just like walking out into the to gunfire or a minefield or yeah what have you whoa okay so jack sees this letter his response is heading over to the family doctor and deciding that despite his irregular heartbeat that he basically has to go and even if he can't find nikki this is the part that i find amazing even if he can't find them he's not even going in with the irrational thought that he could actually pinpoint where nikki is and get to him somehow but just if he's like in the same area as him, you know, just over in Vietnam, somehow that's going to make a difference. That's how Jack works. He, he, he operates on, on, on hope quite a bit. That's, that's part of what makes him a superhero, right? <laughs> I definitely feel like it is reminiscent of Randall having nothing to say and no way to help Kate, but just flying cross country and being like, I just have to physically be in mm, the vicinity. Good parallel. And that that should hopefully help in some way. You I know? think there's probably a pattern of Pearson's doing that, not just Randall, but Kevin going up to the to the building and finding Randall on his on his opening night and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things, not knowing how you can help, just knowing that you have. You just need to be close and it'll sort itself out from there. I love that. I think that that's exactly, exactly right. So what did you think about the doctor actually giving him this like push-ups trick to like beat the physical? Was that like a surprise? He, he said that he'd known Jack since he was six. It's probably 20 years, right? So mm-hmm. he, yeah, I bet he knew that Jack is a determined person. And so he would figure it out one way or the other. Why not help the guy out? And I guess, I mean, if he's their family doctor, I assume he like knows their whole family, you know, and probably knows Nikki, probably knows their whole, their, a lot of their story, you right. know? The mother constantly running into doors. Right, right. Exactly. Like healed over bruises and stuff like that, that he would no doubt have to have seen. I would be remiss if I did not point out the fact that they actually show Jack in his tidy whities in that, in that scene. Cause I feel like there's a lot of women who are like, what? Because they actually saw some skinnage on that man. Um, everybody wants any piece of Jack they can get, Paul. Any, really, no matter if it's in the, the, a quilted pair of underwear. <laughs> Which were wow, nothing to write home about, Paul. Those were hilarious. It's it's interesting how uh, they can. They do a really effective job making him look like he's in his 20s and he's... Isn't it crazy? Like how he... And he like really looks like he's in his 50s when he's in his 50s. Yeah. I don't know know if if they're doing like that digital aging, but for TV shows... Do you think so? Well, they could. Tell me. But I mean... It's it's more of like a movie budget kind of kind of trick, and I don't know if they do it for TV very much. You know what I mean? Intrigue. It never occurred to me that they were doing that with him. I guess I just thought it, it might was, just be really good makeup. I bet it's really good makeup. And and like I would say that a lot of times when he's really supposed to be younger, they like they can like blow him out a lot. You know, he looks a lot like lighter skinned. I want to mm, say that helps. And so the lighting's really quite bright on him. Like even in that doctor's office, it was like quite bright on him. You know, and then other times I feel like when he's supposed to be an older version of himself, there's a lot more shadowiness to mm-hmm. him, which kind of gives it would give anybody natural 
aging. Yeah, like you could see lines and creases that aren't aren't even naturally there, but they're just sort of highlighted, you know? Yeah. So you lots of light and pancake makeup and you're younger. <laughs> you can really do a lot. I, all of us should walk around with a big bright light on us, right? <laughs> That'd be ideal. We'd all look a lot more smooth. So the next part of our timeline if you're jumping around in order here, is going to head when he is actually, there's this attack that we have where Jack has moved up the rank to sergeant very quickly. And he has this, this very uh, Forrest Gump, Bubba Gump shrimp kind of conversation that is happening with his buddy Robinson. Um, there's a whole lot of like, what am I going to do when I get out of here? Do you remember, remember Bubba would be like oh, yeah. talking Make about shrimp, shrimp and grits, right. shrimp shrimp creole shrimp etouffee of course like all the things he was gonna make at his shrimp restaurant right and robinson was the same way though he wanted to be an athlete he was gonna go pro all this kind of stuff you know yeah he's gonna take clemente out right right and uh and like this was this was the big deal can i tell you the moment that i knew robinson was toast uh was it the time they gave him more than one or two lines it was the time when he said he had 90 days left right Oh right. no! It's like he only has ninety days till retirement. He's too old for this shit. I was like, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> you just sealed your fate, sir. That was terrible. Forrest Gump might have been my only experience more recently, I guess. Of um, which I know kind of sounds funny because it's not a very recent movie, but of like Vietnam in this same kind of way, where it wasn't meant to be like a scary war movie. I was watching, you know, but there was something that. It was like we were dealing with war, but it was like in a more, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say family friendly. That's too strong. But do you know what I mean? Like there's a version of gritty way to shoot war Yeah, that is like you couldn't show kids. Well, and I mean, then there's like this version of what we saw that again reminded me a lot of like where at the end Forrest Gump's like licking his ice cream in the you know infirmary where it's a little bit. I mean, dude still got his foot blown off. Yes, but it's a, but it's a, it was tragic, but it was not gory. Like that stump was red, but it wasn't Mm, meaty. meaty. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a difference between like gritty war and like, what would you call this? Like kind of just like a Vaseline on the lens version of what war looks like. Because they were showing us the emotional side. Don't get me wrong. All these soldiers had a lot of emotion going on. But there there was sort of like a sacrifice, maybe because it's on network, maybe because this is still considered, I would say, a family hour show. But to me, like they really had to tone down some of the kind of more That's a good point. Disgusting like, parts they just showed all. like like the muzzle flares coming from the from the forest beyond. Right, right. right. So they never show our guys like taking out their guys. Right. Nobody, know? right. Nobody's shot like that. Right. And the guys that there's a couple of uh, mines that go up, but that, I mean, that's horrible to see and all that, but it, you don't actually see. You didn't see body parts chunks or anything fly. Like that. Right. Exactly. And, and it actually startled me. I mean, I know it was meant to, obviously when we have Townie throwing the football, which, what do we think about this football biz? What What is the symbolism of this business? They're throwing the football when the whole thing happens back when they were little, when they were seven. They're throwing the football around as glasses break. They're throwing the football here. And Jack says, stop doing that. Stop. Yeah. And then 
squirrel just blows up, but he just like disintegrated. You know, I mean, he was just gone. Football's got a funny place in this show, right? Because does. Funny, it's like it's like the lasting love of Jacks that Rebecca still shares in her older age, even with Miguel, who may or may not like it as much as she does. And Kate as well. And then there's Kevin, of course, whose life was altered due to a football injury. So yeah, football is a big deal in this this show. It is. And I'm, I, I just, I wonder what that connective thread exactly is yet. You know, I mean, it's obviously, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, Football has always been there kind of thing, like playing in the background of people's soundtrack of their lives growing up. You know, they played football in the yard, you know, whatever, being a teenager, even here, soldiers playing, you know, whatever. Maybe it's it's just one of those. It's an American sport, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this, I think they're, when they say this is us, I don't think they mean like humans. I think specifically they mean Americans. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, so now we have Robinson lose his foot, and we have this very intimate moment with him where he's, you know, asking to hold his foot and all that stuff. And then um, Jack actually holds him and rocks him. You know, he's like actually physically rocking yeah. um, while the man's crying. They, they kind of cut away for a moment while the helicopter's coming. And then Robinson teaches him this like quintessential moment that has come up. So many times in the show, um, not just between Jack and, and anyone else, but Randall does it with William when William is dying. They do the whole thing where Robinson says, when I was a little guy and my dad was coming to be a horrible, my mom would just take my hands and take my hold my face and say, breathe, because that's like the thing you forget to do when you're so scared. And when you actually see it, I thought it was really interesting that they cut the sound out. With the helicopter, mm-hmm. you don't hear Robinson say breathe. You just see Jack take a breath. And you're so familiar with the move mm-hmm. of some of Jack having put his hands on the kids' faces and even having Randall having done it to William and everything that it's like, we already know what Robinson's saying. That's a good one. I'm surprised I missed that that connection, but yeah. Of course, we, we cannot ignore the fact that his name is Robinson. And despite the fact that he is airlifted out of Jack's life in this moment, if you guys remember from the previous episode, there is a soldier who does receive the email from Kevin. And it is a man who has a prosthetic leg on his email. It was Robinson. And so they found him. In particular, he's still alive. He's going to be able to tell all these stories. Uh, He may be able to even tell the breathe story to Kevin, which Kevin's, of course, going to know, you know, and like, wow, that's going to be amazing, right? Going to blow up at first that whole mechanic thing. But I mean, I think Kevin will recover right away and need to know more, not be like, dad lied to me. I I don't know. (sighs) I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I feel like that that was just like a lot of people had said that people said things like that to just like not scare anybody just to say like, no, I just I I didn't really see any action. I didn't really, you know, to try to minimize so that people don't ask me follow ups like, what did you see? What happened? You know, what do you do? It's unpleasant stuff. Yeah, absolutely. After this attack, they do lose two guys. Thankfully, they get to get moved over to this fishing village. What do you think about this situation? It's indicative of the kind of crap that we were doing in Vietnam during that whole thing. Like they're basically like walling off the little village so that they can't sneak around basically so they're kind of kind of imprisoning them in their own place right okay with the with the fences and you know if you watch enough of these movies and you you wouldn't have been very thrown 
by by that action, you'd be like, well, yeah. What's the point of doing that? Well, they were sympathetic to the bad guys, if if I recall the the talk that Jack got when he was assigned there. So they don't want them like colluding in in some way, you know, like because I guess their backs up are against the 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 village. So they need to be able to not have to look over their shoulders. I bet about people either supplying the bad guys with I w- food I would think or something. That part. I would think the aiding part of it, right? Well, right, or them having weapons behind you that you didn't know about because there's because they're the problem is they keep finding holes in the fence right and they keep having to repair the fence okay so what does that mean someone's breaking the fence and and getting coming in or going out or what do you think probably both both. probably both intrigue okay so these are like kind of tiny internment camps is that correct to say i think that's fair I didn't really exactly know exactly how I could understand why it would make sense that this was like, you know, an area where obviously they have like waterfront access there in a way that's like, like you could actually like get supplies to and from, you know, like it was a um, more developed kind of spot right there as opposed to just like just purely the jungle or anything, you know, there's obviously supplies and food and people there. So I appreciated how happy those guys were to see like water and like being able to just like kind of throw off their shirts and like go swimming. I was kind of surprised at, I shouldn't be, but I was kind of surprised how they kind of went from being happy to be sort of relaxing to sort of, it sort of turning into this like sad lazy brooding kind of thing where they were more like when they laying around with their shirts off yeah and just like from that sort of frolicking in the water to just sort of being like despondent like i think it's probably more like the despondency is more normal and the the frolicking in the water was the outlier behavior at that point it might be that nikki's perspective in this letter that he sent home wasn't unique you know maybe he definitely not he did something above and beyond what the other guys are doing in terms of just laying around he did something that that brought attention to himself and, and got him in trouble but i bet they all felt that exact same way completely agree i was not surprised to find that Jack, of course, you know, maintains his his energy in some way, of course, because we know he's got this hidden agenda, you know, to go find Nikki. So this isn't so much about like needing to get back home where all the rest of the guys are waiting to get back home. He actually purposely is here and he doesn't want to be shipped off to go back home. Right. You know, he wants to find Nikki. Um, there was a moment here that I do want to note Townie obviously has that poignant moment on the dock where he like looks at the football and then hucks it into the ocean. Yeah. I felt like the way that Townie looked even with his blonde hair and everything, there was something that just was like slightly akin to Kevin and like the, the, the throwing of away of the football life and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of a, just in the way that Tony looked and everything and, and our history with Kevin, you know? Yeah. There felt like something that was there, you know, the, the sadness behind it. Well, there was, um, I mean, Kevin also didn't, <laughs> he didn't learn things until he learned them the hard way. Right. Ooh. Jack told him, stop throwing the football. And then he got the, the other guy blown up basically. Yeah. So same kind of deal, I think. 
I totally think so. I appreciated Jack's leadership skills here when, you know, he gives this pep talk. But more than that, he found his guy's currency, like this concept of like giving them a time frame and having this like huge thing of beer and snacks and everything and being like, if you guys can take care of all of this, we can totally have a celebration. It really worked. Like his guys actually like shaped up. Just need the proper motivation. No joke, right? Just in time, too, because that commanding officer comes on the scene. And he is set to be unimpressed. Very. I thought it was bold that Jack asked to have permission to go. Did you think that's how that was going to work out? Or did you think he might just like hop a ride with a helicopter at some point? Asking favors from, you know, a, an enlisted guy to an officer in a, in wartime that you, I don't even know if you really even knew that guy so much. Or if he'd just been assigned there or what. But it's ballsy, super ballsy. Jack's pretty ballsy, but that's, I mean, even in that context, that's still very ballsy. So no, I didn't expect it to go that way. I thought it was more like luck that that he just got sent the right direction. Yeah. And I, I honestly think that he was impressed that Jack was managing to do something with these guys, um, especially given that they had were down two guys and that he was still maintaining, maintain, maintaining some amount of uh, energy with these guys at all, you know, when they all just were, were ready to give up. Yeah. So Jack gets on that copter and that brings us back all the way to that beginning scene where, um, where he gets a ride over to see his brother, Nikki. And boy, I have to tell you, you know, watching Nikki, first of all, seeing how slender he was, you know, they made sure he didn't have his shirt on and his yeah. pants were really like just hanging off of him. The look on Jack's face when he is looking at him and he says, hey, little brother, and Nikki turns, Jack's face looked like I had no idea what Nikki's face was going to look like. It made me feel like Nikki was going to be like missing an eye or something because he like swallows really hard. And it's like his he just like loses the color in his face, mm. like whatever he saw in Nikki at that moment was like horrifying you know again this was the first scene so now we're we're at the end of our whole thing and nikki does turn and his face is fierce looking like he looks i don't what word would you use to describe that look it's complicated i don't read faces all that good because it, it comes across as like several several kinds of things i think fierce is a is a good one but also fear <laughs> you know Ooh. a little bit i think like the phrase you got to be fucking kidding me would come to mind when i saw his face for a thousand reasons he knows that jack was exempt yeah and now he's here and so Good Lord, you know, like really there's there's some part of me that just feels like he wasn't happy to see Jack. And I think he I think Jack thought he'd be like, Jack, you know, and like run to him, you know, or hoped it well, would be that way. I think that like, you know, just that kind of feeling not going the way Jack might have imagined it. Plus, obviously, you know, joining the army and Vietnam, you're going to get your head shaved. But when he last saw his brother, it was with those long locks and the big beard, right? And now he's just shaved down. And I don't know, there's nothing to hide behind. So in terms of like being able to look right at the other guy. Yeah, that's what made the hype face so hard to read for me because it was it was so much face, <laughs> you know, and, and the actor did a really good job making it like there was no, no sneer, no smile, no, nothing with the mouth except just kind of like a tight straight line but maybe you know? that's even part of it though i mean paul this is his beloved brother and he's making a straight line face 
that is not what you would expect. Yeah. And so I think that that's even part of like Jack's reaction is like, like a gulp, you know, like, oh man, you know, like this, my brother's not even in there, you know, I hope he is, but this guy isn't him. That makes that taunt of his father's a couple of weeks ago of uh, not being able to save Nikki. Now we know he joined via, he joined the army just to try to save Nikki. Right. We don't know the circumstances of the, of the saving not working, but that's not the sort of thing that you give another guy shit about when he comes home. You wouldn't think so. But I mean, that just shows like how lower than dirt this father is. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's such a mess, such a mess. And like, and again, we've now seen how Nikki's been treated basically since birth by this father. Now he's going to be like, Jack, you couldn't save my beloved baby. Like what? What? You kept Nikki around like you couldn't give a crap about him his whole life. You know? The father did, and then now he's going to lay it at Jack's feet like he wrecked Nikki's world? I think the dad w will take any any kind of insult he can give, even if it doesn't make sense with the other line of insults. If it just makes sense <laughs> yeah. in the context Agreed. to this situation, right. he'll use that insult. It's just generally mean. He'll yeah. go for that. So overall, what did you think about this episode? I mean, it was fully Jack. Did you appreciate the fact that we did not bounce into any other any other timeline with any other character i yeah i did absorb that like like this is important these are events are key to the rest of the story otherwise they wouldn't have made this a solo shot so actually it left me feeling very frustrated because i needed more you know this wasn't like a, a typical cliffhanger or something like that this felt like one half of a whole show did you feel like you got half or do you feel like you even got less than half because i don't know that i feel like i got half i mean they're not going to spend forever in know. vietnam what so. do you think we're only going to get do you think we get one more episode or you yeah. think we'll get more than one no I think really could, yeah. that's it it's my guess man for all the buildup of what happened in vietnam that's it losing nikki's gonna be the big deal is losing Nikki going to be like our season finale or is it going to play out? Is our, our like mid season finale? Mm, that could line up that could line up. Cause there's only 18 episodes in this is us. Okay. We're on number four now. It would. Yeah. I, I really don't want to wait four or five weeks for, for the conclusion to the Nikki story, but man, that's kind of how TV works, isn't it? Well, so what do you expect? Kind of like what they did with the story from the first week in the flashbacks. They strung it out to the third week. I expect them to do something like that with this. I hope they don't. Well, we know that next week's episode is going to focus heavily on um, Toby and and everything going on with him we saw that the scenes for next week and then um and and it seems like he actually gets pretty honest real quick here like i mean he was saying like i i stopped taking my medicine i need to get back on it right away it didn't seem like all that much time had passed do you know what i mean and so i i'm kind of i'm happy for that and then also we have um randall doing exactly what we thought running for councilman from the previews it looks like this is not appreciated it looks like and nobody in that <laughs> in that community was looking for anyone to come and be their Superman, if you will. It makes me wonder about this whole concept of, you know, Randall being the Superman and how wonderful it is. And then when you have someone like Nikki giving voice to the one who's always saved and that it is not appreciated. 
boy, that is, it's a lot to wrap my own brain around of like seeing that point of view. Because whenever I've had somebody come in and be a Superman for me, I've been nothing but appreciative. I've, have not had that feeling of like, I know I needed to do this all myself, you know, but, and I, man, do I not want to think that people we ever helped (laughs) wished we went away, you know, I'm like, man, ah, scary, you know? Yeah. It's hard to wrap your brain around. Remember that, that dickhead at the end of the street on Longleaf Pines that would constantly lose his basset hound and we'd constantly bring it back. And he was, he would just be like, let her in. He he would just be like, not a thank you, not a, not a, oh geez, my dog almost got killed. Nothing like that. Just like an annoyed, like. Well, that your help is not appreciated. Like the end. Yeah. Like let it alone, you know? And it's like, oh geez, you know? I saved that dog for the dog. (laughs) Exactly. that guy. Exactly. I appreciate that. Well, this is us was super good this week. I appreciated the storyline and I'm super glad we just focused on Jack. If we had jumped around fooling around with Rebecca and Alan or I would have been losing my marbles. So super glad they stayed focused. And I think that they did a great job of really showing the emotional impact, especially, you know, I don't know that we've ever seen any movie, me personally, that talked about the draft, that talked about the number picking, the lottery side of it. I've only seen ones where they're already Drafting. in combat. Yeah. Yeah, it's already happening. So I don't think I've ever seen that depicted for my own self. I'm sure there are plenty of shows you could watch that had that, but I never saw it. So I'm curious of how many of our listeners, like this was like a fresh idea. Like, what is this? I don't know that much about this. How did they do it? You know? Mm -hmm. I wonder if this brought up a lot of information. Another thing that I know people could talk to their own fathers, you know, have been in Vietnam to be like, well, what was that? Like, where did you go when they did the draft day picks and stuff, you know? So very interesting. Always gives us something to talk about. Right, Paul? Definitely does. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.